Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for downloading the Blue Moon Podcast. Please give the show your support by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. And Happy New Year to everybody listening to this very special Blue Moon podcast. If you've been a Patreon backer this season, then you might have heard some of our previous City Heaven, City Hell shows. Normally, we've got one City fan and one guest from the opposition, each picking a Heaven and a Hell match from between the two teams. But for this special festive season edition, we're going to do something slightly different. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined by Dan Burke. Happy New Year, Blues. Happy New Year. Bob Tool. Hi, Mooney. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. And Kieran Murray. Seasons greetings. Seasons greetings. Good, good, you know, use of synonyms, everyone there. Nobody repeated themselves, so really well done. Um, Today, we've all picked a heaven and a hell match that City played over the Christmas period from years gone by. We've defined the Christmas period as uh, basically the last game that City played before Christmas, uh, right up until the first game of the new year. So anything that's fallen in that bracket, we've uh, we've picked our heaven and hell games from. Uh, Kieran, we are going to start with your uh, heaven choice. Uh, we're going back to uh, the 21st of December 2013. It finished Fulham to City 4. Um, the headlines from this game, Joe Hart came back in after seven Premier League games on the bench. After he was dropped, he was dropped after um, him and Matija Stasic made an error at Chelsea right at the death. Um, in this game, City went 2-0 up in the first half. Then uh, Fulham pulled it back to 2-2 just after half-time. And then goals from Jesus Navas and James Milner won it. Here's the highlights. They're from the Premier League's own website, and it's their On This Day feature. So there's some very odd music on the background, which I can't get rid of. Uh, so enjoy the entire package. Almost the entire stretch of the Barclays Premier League separates these two. Will they be separated on the pitch as Fulham in the bottom three face Manchester City who have their eyes on the title. It's Yaya Toure. It's a bolt from the blue. All eyes are on Kolarov. Will then that man step forward? Driven in towards Di Michalis and then stabbed in. It's a second for Manchester City. It's Vincent Company. Right place, right time. Tarab will give chase to this. Fleshy slips. Tarab. Richardson is up with him, and that's it. Adel Tarab. Kieran Richardson pulling back in it. The plot thickens. A craving cottage. Intelligent run from Sasha Rita. Reese is in the middle, and that was it. And that's a miscue clearance, which has gone in. How did that happen from Vincent Company? David Silva. Navas, foot down on the gas. Plenty of pace about him. Brilliant. Now that is how to put your team back in front on a massive day at Craven Cottage. David Silva. Silva back to Negredo. Negredo has tried to pick out James Milner. Has done. That's a fantastic goal again from Manchester City. 
Macredo to Milner. Bang! These are games where champions are made. It's finished at Craven Cottage. Fulham 2, Manchester City 4. There we have it. So, Kieran, why why this game? Why did you pick this one as your uh, festive heaven treat? Uh, I just lots of little parts of it really stuck out to me. Um, see, normally because I'm Irish, obviously I don't stick around for Christmas in in England. So uh, I hate home games around Christmas because I always have to miss them. So I love um, the feeling of being away from home, back in Ireland, watching on the laptop, uh, and. Yeah, I just really remember this, uh, bizarrely, I think the most memorable thing about this match is the company on goal, um, which is just absolutely hilarious, really. <laughs> uh, like, you couldn't you couldn't have pulled that off if you'd meant to, you know, <laughs> uh, after 100 goals at it. Um, uh, so, yeah, it was really, it was quite a unique game. Um, to go 2-0 up, feel like you're cruising, to ship two goals in comical circumstances almost uh, and then still pull off the win yeah just just really good I, um, I always always loved the ball from Negredo into yeah. Milner for the fourth goal I, I just that's one of my favourite um, one of my favourite assists of all time if, uh, if you think if you think Joe Cancelo has been pulling outside of the boot passes off recently and you, and everyone's been raving about it. Negredo with that one, honestly, it's better than anything that Cancelo's done so far. Yeah, yeah, it was superb. You just, you surely thought he was going to hit it with his right foot into the box, but outside of the left from the from the touchline in the right wing, uh, swung swung inside that way, it evaded one defender and then Milner was there for basically a tap-in. Um, do you remember we did a review of, like a, a, a typical City review of this season? I, I might, remember that, yeah. I was going to say it might have been with Bob, was it? Um, I think we all contributed. There was like a few, there was a few questions that we all answered, and then it was put together in one big edited, um, assembled thing. And it was kind of like game of the season, goal of the season, um, and then we put in assist of the season as well. <laughs> um, uh, and all of us went for that Negredo one, but uh, a prominent. Manchester United fan on Twitter like somehow stumbled upon it and pulled us up on it and was like, "What are you t- talking about? Assist of the season? Really try to rinse us about it?" Like, um, yeah. So, yeah. and it's not like, it's, it's not a thing, but it should be for that. Yeah. Well, that's that. I think that was our point. It would have been a bit daft and normal things, but uh, I mean, what a ball! Like, how, how can you not comment <laughs> on it? It was just yeah. it's just insanely good. Um, yeah, and a rare Jesus Navas goal in that as well. I suppose the uh, it's the probably thing. yeah, it's, it's probably his last one for City. You know, given that mm. it was it was near Christmas in his first season. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. Uh, although it's horrible, um, it's horrible hearing that a former United player scored against us in that as well. Yeah, sorry uh, about that. Yeah, I forgot about him completely, and then you know, uh, thinking back to this game and watching the highlights again for this feature. Um, yeah, brought back some memories of how, how it was doubly annoying when an ex United player scored against us. Yeah, Dan, I heard you chuckling when Kieran mentioned the own goal. Uh, for me, the best bit of that own goal is Navas's overhead kick on the line to try and keep it out. 
Yeah, he, he did his he did his best to keep out. Didn't he? Yeah, it was it was bloody amazing finish from company that because because he scored in the game as well. Of course, his his finish was sort of a bit of a a toe poke, and he, he probably thought he was having a great day, didn't he? Until till that happened, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a it was a it was a mad game. This like the, the Yaya Torre free kick was really good as well um, for the opening goal because this was like. Um, that season where he just sort of started scoring free kicks from nowhere. I seem to remember he scored one against Hull earlier in the season. Yeah. And I don't even remember him yeah. stepping up to take one before that. And yeah. he had that weird kind of technique where he, he approached it from from sort of a, a, a side-on angle, didn't he? Like, And, and just sort of ran up and, and kind of swerved it in. And, and this one went in off the crossbar, bounced down and then bounced up into the roof of the net as well, which you don't see very often. But uh, yeah, Companies was definitely the, the best finish of the game, I think. Yeah. Bob, where, where were you for this game? Do you remember it at all? Uh, I do remember it, yeah. Um, I was actually um, spending Christmas uh, with my wife's family and they are all red. So I do remember <laughs> specifically when that own goal went in, the company own goal, just like sort of cowering in embarrassment, just as, <laughs> like, you're throwing away a, a, a two goal lead in that fashion. It's just like, yeah, it's just ridiculous, isn't it, really? Uh, so they were all loving it. But thankfully, uh, Navas and uh, Milner sorted it out pretty swiftly for us. Yeah. Um, so it was all right in the end. Yeah. Kieran, one final thing on this game. The uh, the the headlines at the time were, it, it could quite easily have focused on Joe Hart because he'd, you know, he'd spent that, that little spell on the bench and he came back in for this game. Um, but you know, everything that happened in it kind of overshadowed that. And it was just kind of, it, it, it was probably for the best for him that it, it probably helped him with the rest of the season that the, the focus wasn't on him after this game. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, your notes for this were that Hart had come back into the, into the squad again, into the team again. Um, but that was so far from my memory about it. There were so many other little subplots and little side things. Uh, so Joe Hart, I mean, he did concede too, the second one in particular in mad fashion. But uh, there were so many other mad elements to the game <laughs> that his he just slid down the pecking order a little bit. I'm sure he would have rather have kept a clean sheet than concede two mad goals. But uh, yeah, no, he wasn't the main he wasn't the main event or the main feature. So he managed to slot back in. That was that was probably a pretty good piece of management from uh, Pellegrini, really, because uh, Hart Hart was in seriously bad form at the time, wasn't he? And he just kept making mistakes and. Uh, Pantelemon did a good job, but Hart it just felt it was the, it was the right time to slot him back in, and um, yeah, it, I think his form only improved from from there, didn't it, for the next yeah. couple of seasons? Yeah, I don't remember a mistake he made after that um, for yeah. the rest of that season, and obviously went on to to win the title, so uh, yeah. must, have, must have done quite well. Um, let's move on to game number two for this show, uh, Dan. We're going to your hell choice right now. Um, it finished City 1, Everton 2 on the 20th of December 2010. Uh, it was a really, really, really cold winter that year and uh, <laughs> quite a lot of games had been called off that weekend. It meant that uh, it was a Monday night game. It meant that a win would see City top at Christmas for the first time since 1929, but they would have played two more games than uh, United, who I think would drop to second. Um City were unbeaten in seven Premier League games going into this. Everton hadn't won in six, so uh, there was obviously only one way it was going to go. This (laughs) is uh, the inevitable happening as covered by uh, ABC in Australia. A starring performance from Tim Cale denied Manchester City the chance to climb to the top of the English Premier League. Cale scored his eighth goal of the season in the fourth minute. Keep it alive. Cale! He's done it again! 
The Australian World Cup star then laid on a second for teammate Leighton Baines as evident triumphed 2-1. There we go. Um, no English commentary this exists and it turns out, Dan, that uh, any any coverage of Everton at this time from Australia just focused on Tim Cahill. So there we go. <laughs> Fair enough, really, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, uh, without being too obvious about this, why was this your, uh, your hell choice? Well, uh, there's the phrase, isn't there, when hell freezes over. I think hell did freeze over that night. It was <laughs> fucking freezing. I've never been so cold in my entire life, I don't think. I mean, I've been in some cold countries. I've been in some some pretty cold temperatures, but having to stand uh, in the Etihad Stadium for, for 90 minutes and experience that was was outrageous. And I just remember my feet being like blocks of ice that I've never never known before or since. And um, I was speaking to a guy called Ian Irving, uh, who works with Premier League Productions a while ago, actually, about this. I believe he's been on the podcast in the past. And he um, he was saying that he was working pitch side at the game that night, and it was that cold that one of the cameras actually froze and had to be sort of <laughs> taken out of service. Like, it was genuinely like... I, I, I honestly don't think we've ever played it in, in colder conditions than that. So, so there was that. There was the... Um, like you say, the fact that we could have gone top at Christmas, which was once upon a time considered a big deal, wasn't it? I don't think it's considered as such a big deal anymore. It sort of went through a period where that actually was important and actually did mean that that team usually went on to win the league. But there's been a few occasions since then where, where that wasn't the case. So, But at the time, it felt massive for us. I mean, we'd, we'd been um, sort of working our way up post-takeover for the, the past previous years and felt like we were getting somewhere, felt like we were building something. We'd we'd started that season pretty well, had a pretty good team and, and things were kind of coming together and it was like, oh, is this the year we're going to challenge for the title or, or, or win a cup? And as it happened, we did, we did win the FA Cup at the end of the season. But I remember, maybe I'm conflating the two things here, but I seem to remember going to the bus, uh, going, going to the game on the bus, sorry, and reading on the while on the bus that Carlos Tevez had handed in a transfer request that day. Uh, no, I, a, I, a, I, thought, I thought that as well. Um, and it's, it's a little bit kind of flipped around because uh, he had handed in a transfer request but it had been a couple of weeks earlier and right. on the day of this game it was uh, the story was that they'd had clear the air talks with Mancini and that Tevez was back and everyone thought oh that's going to give right. us a boost okay. for this game and then it just didn't Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but that that was a bit of a worrying time, I guess, because he was our our star man at the time. This was obviously pre Sergio Aguero, and uh, we were we were sort of hanging our hopes on him. And if if he was sort of playing silly buggers, it was kind of like, well, is this is the project all going to fall apart because of this? And and obviously coming up against Everton as well, there, there was a lot of bad blood with Everton at the time. Um, we bought Jolie Lescott from them the previous season, and that that had sparked a bit of a rivalry. Really, and that they really hated us, and and were were a team who often got the better of us. I think they were definitely our bogey team at that time. And, and yeah, of course, Tim Cahill scores after four minutes of this game, and it's like that. It was, it was deja vu, you know. We felt like we'd seen him do that many times and doing his little uh, shadow boxing thing with the corner flag. So, yeah, all, all, all together, you know, the weather, the, the results, uh, the performance from City. I mean, I remember it being that cold actually because this was like um, this was the peak of kind of snud season for the footballers before they, yeah. got, they got they got banned. And obviously, Carlos Tevez always wore one, didn't he? And, and, and Yaya Torre as well. And Yaya Torre came over to kind of defend a throw in near where I was sat in the, in the second half. And he pulled his, his uh, snud kind of over his ears and over his head. Like imagine like an old lady's shawl. <laughs> like it was like it was like that the way he was wearing it because it was that cold he just needed to like keep his ears warm. And you think, you know, a guy from the Ivory Coast, well, fair enough, he played in Ukraine, but I bet even he'd not, you know, been that cold before. So uh, yeah, I, I felt his pain in that moment. 
But if you, if you Google Yaya Torre snud, there's actually a photo of him wearing that snud, and it's it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah I um I, I don't know, Bob. I I I can't think like Dan says. I can't think of a time when I've been colder at the game. Uh, um, and if I'm being brutally honest, uh, I I somewhere from the back of my mind, I'm plucking the figure minus twelve degrees on this, and I don't know why, because that's clearly <laughs> clearly too cold for the UK. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think you're right there, Mooney. I mean, that's uh. Pretty Baltic, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny with this game. I haven't zero recollection of it happening because I think um, my my mind sort of blocks out Tim Cahill Everton victories at City's ground. So from about, from about two thousand and four to two thousand and ten. <laughs> yeah, the last one I remember I think was about two thousand eight, and he scored in the last minute with, with a header from a corner. I think. So um, yeah, I'm not much um, used to uh, contributing to this particular game because I literally can't remember it. It's um, honestly there's there's so little of it exists online. Uh, I think I think collectively City fans have tried to just wipe it from uh, from existence because I, like even 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 the red cards. I I found out latterly that um, uh, both Victor and Ichibi and uh, Colo Torre were sent off uh, Kieran, but like I, no memory of that happening whatsoever. Yeah, All the cameras no. froze. That must be why. <laughs> yeah. Uh I was I was back in Ireland for this and um I remember because the snow was so bad, my flights so I'd I'd moved to Liverpool in September of uh two thousand and ten and almost was stuck in like my halls of residence during the PGCE um because the weather was so bad that weekend we ended up having to get the last minute boat back to, to Dublin. Um, oh god it was it was horrendous and then I remember being delighted that I was back home and then City was the only game that went ahead because of the snow that that weekend because it was Monday night and I could watch it in the pub with the lads back home and like I remember just thinking from the fourth minute onwards fuck I wish this had been called up <laughs> yeah tax day is coming oh no but if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Support the show by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. We're going to carry on with the misery and uh, turn to Bob's hell choice now. Um, I, this one I, will resonate with a lot of fans, Bob, because uh, it finished Sunderland 1, City 0 on the 1st of January 2012. Uh, the context is City were level on points at the top of the table with United on level. Uh, this was uh, their game in hand as well. Uh, United had unexpectedly lost at Old Trafford to Blackburn on New Year's Eve. Uh, and then with 20 seconds of the of uh, added time left, this happened. And Martin O'Neill saying, get forward, we can nick it here. G. Sessegnon. For G. He's round the goalkeeper. He's done it. Absolutely incredible. It ain't over till it's over. Bob, there were four seconds left when the ball crossed the line. There wasn't even time for City to kick off again. Uh, it was literally the last kick of the game that won it for Sunderland. Um, I, can you can you give me any more context as to why that might be hell for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, God, 
I mean, that, that commentary, it's just horrendous. I don't think I actually heard the commentary at the time because I just stormed out of the room uh, as it was sort of crossing the line. So, um, yeah, that, that Christmas period, I was um, with my uh, girlfriend's family and I was watching it with my future brother-in-law, who, uh, as I mentioned before, they're all Reds. So we just watched it and it, it was a pretty dire game, I think. Um, and following um, the day before where um, United had, had uh, lost to Blackburn, um, I was obviously just giving it a little bit to them. I was a, a bit more sort of cocksure about them than I am now. Um, sort of uh, kind of uh, these days, I kind of uh, hedge my bets a little bit and wait yeah. till we played. But at the time, I wasn't. I wasn't too much like that. So, um, so yeah. So, what's that game the following day? And we just the two of us watched it, and we were both a bit hungover from uh, the party the night before. Um, yeah, it was really. Uh, really bad, wasn't it? I mean, I, I remember in the second half, City were just sort of had them pinned back, but we were just kind of like pretty useless. And I had the sense that we're never going to score here. Whereas um, who I was watching it with, um, future brother-in-law, Andrew, he was just like, oh, it's inevitable you are going to score. Just like two opposite views. Um, but yeah, just uh, neither came true, obviously. And then... <laughs> Yeah, the goal being offside as well, like just even more infuriating. So, like as I say, I just stormed out of the room and didn't really see the goal happen. I was sort of saw it was going to happen and just started swearing the ass down, but then kind of had to remember where I was <laughs> to, <sort> of, <laughs> to uh, moderate my behaviour somewhat. Yeah, um, yeah, it was pretty hideous. Yeah, Dan. The, um, the the thing with this goal as well is like you hear Martin Tyler in the commentary say uh, that Martin O'Neill was was shouting, "Get forward, we can win it." There was there was a moment where you thought, well, where clearly City thought they're going to bring the ball away and they're going to head for the corner flag because I think it was Aguero and Jacko that were were the strikers on the pitch at that point. Aguero has a shot which which gets blocked and basically gives Sunderland possession, and you see about three or four City players go, well, that's clearly that, and just let <laughs> yeah. them break break past them because there's there's obviously no time for them to go down the other end and score, but they 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 do, and like the the, the natural thing is is to think, well, they're going to head for the corner flag. Yeah, yeah. I, I seem to remember it was a pretty abject performance from City that day, which was which was annoying. Yeah, and, and to, to to let it slip in the last minute like that was was awful. We had a, we had a few moments uh, in that season, didn't we, where it sort of looked like we'd kind of shot ourselves in the foot and came back from it. And this was one of them, thankfully. But yeah, I, I remember um, going out on on New Year's Eve uh, the night before with a few United supporting mates, and office, they, they'd lost to Blackburn, and I was I was taking the piss a bit as well, saying, uh, "Oh, I'm off to Blackburn after this. Feel free to join me." I thought that was hilarious <laughs> at the time. And obviously that, that came back to bite me on the arse the next day. And I was hung over as hell for this game as well. Um, I think I was sort of periodically going to the bathroom and throwing up during the game. So that just made <laughs> made everything everything wonderful when they scored in the last minute. And and yeah, if, if anyone out there is a uh, you know a VAR hater at this point, I, w- I would show them this goal and say, this is what it used to be like, you know, when, uh, before VAR, because he was fucking miles offside, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. He should never have stood. Kieran, did you at any point when... In the hours that followed this game, knowing that City was City was still top of the table because they were they had the better goal difference over United, they were level on points. They just missed the chance to go three points ahead. So, did you take any consolation in going? Well, I, it's still we we've maybe not got the advantage that we could have had, but we still have the advantage. Just, uh, yeah, maybe. It just it felt like we just thrown it down the drain, really. Though you liar, um, it didn't feel like that at all. It felt it felt <laughs> it felt horrific, and you know it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's what I mean. Uh, I think did we draw with did we draw nil nil with West Brom Hodgins West Brom on 
on Boxing Day as well. Because yeah. um, I was in the pub for that, and a United fan, when he'd heard that we'd drawn, just shouted my name. Just went, yes, Kerr! Like that, across the pub. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and then the Sunderland game, when we had a chance to, to go. I mean, that that's that season... Um, the sort of back and forward, and then you know later on when we started dropping points uh, and throwing away victories like Swansea and stuff like that, uh, there were just so many times where it was doomed, and you just felt that United would have it. But because they'd lost the day before, uh, and I was hung over to the balls as well, so it just that felt really, really sickening. And I think I had to go out for the hair of the dog after that. It was awful. <laughs> Wasn't this a period we went on a run of loads of one nil defeats at Sunderland? Uh, this, yeah, this this yeah. might this might have been the first one uh, because when I think the the year before no the year before would have been the first one ten eleven because uh, well, that was when Micah Richards gave the penalty away in the last minute yeah um, open that miss from Tavares wasn't it? yeah and then yeah. this year happened and it was uh, G in the in the last minutes so then they lost again one nil over Christmas the year after and yeah. then I think they lost one nil in Pellegrini's first season as well and it just like yeah mm-hmm. it, the, the 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 bad things just continued at uh, at the stadium of light Bob how how did your um, kind of festive period end uh, over this this series did it over this season did it uh, did it get better before you went back home after you from your uh, your in laws. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, they didn't have too much to shout about because, like you say, they were we were still uh, ahead of them, and um, so yeah, it was all good, really. But um, yeah, I guess a few hours. I, I mean, it took me a, a little while to get over the game itself and the sort of burning sense of injustice about the goal, obviously being offside. Um, but I was thinking about it before when I, I was just watching it back before, um, and there's a thought: well, if VAR existed at the time, then as well, it obviously would have been ruled out. But then sort of the chain of events like the the Aguero goal would never have happened at the end of the season so it's like I'm kind of glad it did happen how it happened <laughs> in a way yeah. so um yeah it worked out all right didn't it um yeah. sort of a few days afterwards and and obviously at the end of the season yeah I didn't think uh, for this new year special we were going to get into uh, the laws of causality and time and space but here we are it's uh you know <laughs> effects <laughs> yeah <laughs> you never know you never know what's gonna happen when we start one of these do you right uh let's move on to uh the next game it's my heaven choice uh, I've gone for City 5 Hull 1 on the 26th of December 2008 uh for the first time ever City had been in the Premier League relegation zone at Christmas so this was the uh, day after this was the Boxing Day game uh they'd been taken over the previous September and had signed Rubinho on deadline day uh, but then they'd had one win in the last nine Premier League games going into this and had lost three of the last four so they were in awful form. Uh, the previous game was an awful 2-1 loss at West Brom who were bottom. Uh, this is uh, what Phil Brown, the Hall manager at the time, had to say after the game. Uh, don't forget at half-time when City were 4-0 up he brought his players out of the dressing room and did the half-time team talk in front of the away end on the pitch. Uh, this is what he had to say. I thought it was a good time to catch Man City to tell you the truth and uh, that wasn't the the kind of mentality that we instilled into the players, it's, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, but bottom line is we knew there was a little bit of turmoil going on in the camp and if we could get a good start against them then who knows. Uh, we had a couple of opportunities before they scored. Uh, we didn't put the ball away, consequently when they got the goal they got their tails up and they're a good side. Um, but to come in 4-0 down at half-time was just not acceptable. and uh, So it just wasn't good enough. You kept the players out on the field for a little while at half-time. What was the message you were trying to get across there? That you've got three, three and a half, four thousand travelling fans who probably um, made arrangements about their Christmas day to get to a game at Manchester on Boxing Day. And uh, again, the performance wasn't good enough. Uh, you could say it's uncharacteristic. Probably in a handful of, 
handful of occasions in the last two years since I've been in charge that I could say that performances have been like that, but um, the quality of the opposition was probably better today. Uh, but again, it's one of them where you get your noses in front in games in the Premier League and uh, you're going to win games if you've got quality players. But our mentality wasn't right today. And, uh, you know, Man City, give them the credit, they played some good stuff in the first half, but we weren't at the races individually, collectively, and uh, collectively is what it's all about as a team. You've got to have the spirit to, even at a goal down, you've got to have the spirit and the mentality to get back into the game. And we didn't show any of that today. So uh, that was Phil Brown speaking to Sky Sports. Uh, Bob, when you saw that he was marching the players out of the dressing room and to the, towards the away end, uh, do you remember what your reaction was? Well, I don't think I saw it live um, because I think in the um, the context of the season, we were being terrible um, before it, before the game. I think we, we hadn't won in about eight games or something. So... Um, I just was sort of uh, resigned to not watching them. So I think I spent the um, the day in the pub. But then when I saw the result come through, obviously I was like really excited. And then obviously it was quite the sort of big news that he'd done that. And it was just um, unbelievable really, wasn't it? It's was hilarious. Like, I mean, just so humiliating for the players. Like, <laughs> And just sort of just to be laughed at by about 40-odd thousand people or whatever it w- would have been. Um, it's just incredible. Um but it, all, it always stings me, actually. Uh, was it the following season where they beat us and uh, Bullard did that celebration that sort of taken the mick out of him? That, yeah. that kind of annoyed me a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't take away from the humour of the, the original uh, thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Kieran, when, I mean, you'd have been you'd have been in Ireland for this one, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's, it's before, I think it's before you moved over, is it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, so it was... All my games back then were, um, I mean, obviously it was before streaming on your uh, your laptop. It was before I even had a laptop. Um, so it was following on teletext. And that, that was all I could do. That was basically, uh, apart from when we were on telly, which was very rare in these days. Um, that's, yeah, all I could do was the old CFAX uh, 302, get the football up and see what yeah. was going on. So you, um, you wouldn't have had any of this. You, yeah, you wouldn't have known was, any of this to going on around it. it. It would, but I remember the teletext thing focusing on Phil Brown. It was so odd. Like you've got us scoring five, which was a rarity. Um, like, I, and then the, the focus was that Phil Brown did this weird team talk. Um, it's a bit like the Joe Hart thing that you referenced earlier on. You know, there were so many subplots that it kind of like his went down the pecking order. The fact that we won five one seems to have slid down a little bit because we were in the bottom three at the start of the day, and then. Phil Brown did that, so you, you sort of forget about the match. <laughs> yeah, Dan, um, uh, this is—I I, I do think it's a shame that that happened in this game because it's—it's uh, it's partly the turning point for that season. City, City started the day in the bottom three. They actually—they finished in the top half of the table. They—they they were, mm. I think, I think eighth or ninth by the end of the of, of the season. They were lower than they than they'd been under Sven the previous season. Um, I think it was tenth actually. Was it tenth that season? Yeah, yeah. Um, but they they got up into the top half anyway. Um, and I, mm. th- this game was a little bit of a catalyst, I thought, for uh, Stephen Ireland to start scoring more goals because he'd, he'd score. He started to score a few in the in the, in the months before. Um, but do you remember Felipe Caicedo? Oh yeah, big Phil. Yeah, suddenly came in. <laughs> yeah. he, came, he came in at West Brom and scored with a back heel half volley off the post, and then um, he got two in this game, and that that kind of kicked him on for the for this half of the season at City. Yeah, do you remember his goal against Racing Santander in the uh, UEFA Cup or Europa League or whatever it was? No, what was, was that? Of, it just that, that's that's a we we lost. I think we lost two one and somehow went through on like 
head to head or something in the group. It was the the year we this this season when we um, when we played Hamburg in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. It was like the final game of the group, and it, I don't know if it's on YouTube or anything, but he just scored the, the most unbelievable like back heel goal in that game that nobody remembers. It's like the greatest forgotten City goal. Um, up on YouTube if it's there. It might not even be there. Maybe I've just imagined it. But but yeah, he was uh, he was a he, he was a bit of a bit of a rare bear him wasn't he we sort of like i can't remember where we got him from or 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 who signed him or anything i just remember Mm. him sort of turning up and being around and suddenly like scoring a couple of goals every now and again and um looking kind of half decent at times and pretty rubbish at others and i think he's still knocking about i think he's playing for lazio now or something yeah yeah he's not yeah yeah, he's all right. Yeah, but um, but yeah, Stephen Island. That, that's true because I mean that that West Brom game you mentioned earlier. That there was we were absolutely awful that day. I remember losing at the Hawthorns. I remember watching that. My granddad's and coming home in the car with my dad saying we're going we're going down this season. And it was a bit like sort of position Newcastle final. But now it's like the richest club in the world could be playing in the Championship next season. Is that yeah. is that where we are? Um, we've got Rabinio. We need to sort of show flashes of brilliance, but not done a great deal. And and Stephen Island had come back that that summer. Um, having done pretty well under Sven the previous year and you know we had a few decent players and, and he was one of them who was sort of coming to the fore come back shaved his head beefed up and 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 looked pretty good in patches but yeah I agree, I agree this this game was the real the real catalyst for him he scored a really good goal and, and just ran the show really he was just he was just unstoppable that day really and I think that that gave him a lot of confidence in his ability and, and we sort of kicked on from there and didn't have a too bad a season in the end but yeah it, it, it was a proper Jekyll and Hyde season that because the first half we really looked shocking yeah, was there was there at any point um, after this game, Bob, that that you felt that uh, Mark Hughes deserved some time in the job? Because his first his first kind of few months, fans were not on board with his appointment anyway. You know, the United connections, the 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 fact that he was seen as somebody who would do a job on a budget sort of thing. That's not where City wanted to be. Um, but then the second half of the season was starting to pick up, and this game kind of started that. So, I mean, where were you on the whole Mark Hughes thing? Um. I'm ashamed to say I was I was a supporter of him really right until the end. <laughs> I liked I was, Mark Hughes as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with him. Yeah, I, I remember being outraged when he got sacked. Like, um, so obviously that was a long time after this game. Well, um, so yeah, I mean it was about a year later, wasn't it? So, yeah. Um, but so yeah, I mean I I had absolute faith in, in him in, in this season. Um, I mean, I think he always used to say, and he said it a lot after he was sacked as well. Like the, um, it was always really difficult the circumstances um, that he inherited, which is kind of ridiculous when you become like the richest club in the world. It's not really a bad thing, is it? But yeah. um, he always used to lament that, which, like at the time, I kind of understood because it was just um, a chaotic club uh, that was so rich it didn't really know what to do with itself, um, and there was still a lot of crap players there. So. He was probably about at our level at that time. So, I, yeah, I was totally a, a up for him um, at that time. And, uh, and and he did have it in him to play some exciting football. I mean, was it this season where we beat Arsenal 3-0 um, yeah, as well? Yeah, that, that, was that, that was the one win in the nine games previous. Oh, was it? <laughs> I mean, that's one of my favourite games from that kind of era as well. Um, and, I, and I kind of um, I had real belief as well that Rubinho was like, genuinely world-class and then like all my uni mates that were like United and Chelsea fans they were just like no he's not what you're on about um <laughs> but yeah it kind of looks a bit daft me sort of insisting that looking back now but um but yeah on, on yeah. both counts with Hughes and Rubinho. Get involved with the debate on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. 
Right. Well, uh, let's take a look now at uh, Dan's uh, second choice. It's uh, your heaven choice, Dan. Uh, it finished City 3, Aston Villa 1 on the 26th of December, Boxing Day 2002. Uh, City were newly promoted in the Premier League. They'd uh, had a bit of an up and down season, though. Uh, they'd only won two of the last six games, but they were in 12th. They were the very definition of mid-table, uh, given that they were eight points off the bottom three and also eight points off the top six as well. Uh, they'd lost their last game at home to Spurs 3-2, despite dominating. Uh, here is the match report that aired on uh, the match of the day equivalent ITV's The Premiership that season. Kevin Keegan's made it clear no one's safe in Manchester City's side. This was the required response. Mark Vivian Foe set the team on their way. But like the match against Spurs on Monday, they failed to press home the advantage. Peter Enkelman preventing Sean Gota from stretching the lead and Aston Villa started to stretch their legs. Venturing forward more and more, Ulysses De La Cruz pulled a save of sorts from Schmeichel. The signs were ominous. Dion Dublin had the final touch on that chance, more of a ricochet really. The opportunity he was presented with by J. Lloyd Samuel was far easier. 1-1, only Villa's third away goal all season. The side still seeking its first Premiership victory on the road. But City simply couldn't allow another match to slip away, and the arrival of Sub Ali Banabi proved an inspiration. The Algerian desperately unlucky not to notch one up from distance. His solution was to get him much, much closer. Nicholas Anelka constructed City's second, delaying and delaying for the midfielder's run through the centre, then providing the perfect cross. On his best form, Banabi is a magician. You'll be hard-pushed to see a better pass all season than the one which released Foe for a third. His fifth in four matches. If only the team could be that consistent. I must say, before we before we get into the uh, details of this game, Dan, that is an absolutely textbook, textbook ending to one of those reports, isn't it? <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. ITV's the Premiership. That was uh, that takes me back. Yeah, that game. You think of you think of where City were in in that kind of first Premier League season. Expectations were not what they are now. Um, so, so why did you pick this one? The main reason is that I, I really love festive football. I love this time of year when there's loads of games coming thick and fast. I know it's not great for the players. And I'm all for kind of safeguarding the players and giving them rest. And I, I do think that English football needs a winter break of some form, but don't take our festive football away because <laughs> I really do love it. And, 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 the fact that there's so many games in, in quick succession over the, fest, the festive period, you know, there's usually a game on the 26th, then the 28th, then the, then the 31st or the 1st or whatever, they sometimes kind of blend into one. And I'm not sure, was that game on Boxing Day or was it a different day? Like that whole one that we talked about previously, I didn't even know that was on Boxing Day until we did this show. I can't even remember it as that. Yeah. But this game against Aston Villa, I remember it uniquely being Boxing Day. I remember sort of having a nice Christmas that year, going to Main Road. It was the last season at Main Road. I love that season. I love that era in City's history. I love that those first couple of seasons under Kevin Keegan. It was a really exciting time to be a City fan when when we had a, a decent team for the first time in our lives and it was really enjoyable and we're playing some lovely football. And, you know, I, I remember Ali Benabia having a having a, a stormer in this game. I, I don't remember um, or I didn't remember until I listened to that commentary there, him coming off the bench in the game. I would have assumed that he'd started. But when you think about it, he, he was he had kind of dipped in his second season a little bit. He was, he was a bit too old for, for the sort of demands of the Premier League really and wasn't really 
hitting the heights that he had the previous year. But but when he turned it on, he could really turn it on, and he he, he had a great game when he when he came off the bench here. I mean, diving, diving header as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember I remember watching that from the north stand at the other end of the ground. It just looking looking brilliant. Yeah. And uh, and Mark Vivian Foe scoring two pretty pretty weird goals. Like the first one with his left foot sort of looks like he kind of had no right to put it in the bottom corner from there. It's like. I don't, I don't know how he did that really. And then the second one was that kind of slaloming run where he finishes with like the outside of his foot from like a weird angle. It's like yeah, while sliding on the floor. Uh, he's like 90 degrees to the goal, isn't exactly, he? It's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. just use your left foot, Mark. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was he was a very messy sort of gangly footballer, wasn't he, Foe? I mean, he, he was one who, when he was sort of on his game, he was very hard to stop. But a lot of the time he was kind of off his game and... Um, it, this was one of those days where he was on it and it was it was really good but yeah I just, I just remember this being a great sort of Christmas game it's just one the one that my mind always goes to when we talk about Christmas football yeah Bob when you when you think about this this kind of era of City um, I mean obviously Mark Vivian Foe is a big part of City's history and he scored the, the final goal at Main Road uh, final City goal at Main Road and all that sort of stuff um, it is it, it's a real it's a it is like Dan says it's a team that that has a special place in your heart isn't it uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, the promotion season, the season before, was amazing. It was so exciting. Football, we scored loads of goals. And, and then when we came up, um, players like Bernabia, obviously, which Dan's talked about, um, in my mind's eye, uh, they're just incredible it, like to, to watch. So, so it's kind of like the sort of pre-David Silva kind of equivalent, I guess, uh, of that time for City and sort of our budget then. And then signing players like Anelka, um, and Foe, I absolutely loved, and obviously he's sort of grown in your affection, obviously with what happened to him. Um, and I believe we were going to actually sign him permanently before before he passed away. Um, so yeah, I mean it is a a, a real special time uh, that I look back on, and uh, watching the highlights before as well. It was just really nice to see Main Road because quite often just the highlights I watch these days it's more modern times so just to see Main Road it like brings a lot of memories back yeah Kieran obviously as a you we, we were all kids at the when this this game was going on like uh, kind of early teenagers late teenagers between those yeah. sorts of ages um yeah. so I mean did you ever get to see Main Road no uh one of my absolutely like biggest regrets I think I've spoken to you about it before on the show on the Patreon um I, I totally agree with Bob. I love seeing the highlights of Main Road. Um, I, I wish I'd been there. It was just, it just was a bit of a, it just looked always so atmospheric. Like uh, I'm not sure it was, it was a cauldron necessarily. Maybe you guys can tell me that, but just so close to the pitch, um, the acoustics, even you know when, when the goals go in, I think it, it always feels like uh, <laughs> there were you know limbs all over the show kind of thing, um, <laughs> and. Yeah, watching the highlights of this was amazing. It just, I, I love watching old highlights of Villa because we just seem to have such a good record against Villa as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was really nice. But not being able to see the likes of Benarby alive, that like it, it makes me, it, it makes me dead jealous and like really annoyed that I was kind of like watching this from afar. Like I had the kit that we were playing in at this time, you know, that proper dead, deep, dark, like laser blue kind yeah. of uh, vibe uh, it was dead baggy and I, I loved it um, I think I was wearing that kit when I got my GCSE result or that shirt when I got my GCSE results <laughs> uh, we went on we went on the beer on a beach and uh, I was wearing that um, but did it have first advice on the front or idols that's the big question uh, on everyone's lips I I think I had the first advice 
Yeah. The, so that would be the Premier League kit then. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, what? What? Like, what was Main Road like? What? What? What are the key fundamental differences between now and then? It was just an old, old-fashioned, um, creaking shithole of a ground, but it was our shithole, and it was beautiful, yeah. and it was wonderful, and yeah. it was everything, and it smelt incredible. It smelt like horseshit, but it smelt incredible because it was Main Road, and it was just, mm. it, just, it was just everything about going to football as a young kid that I, I sort of hold dear, really, and everything that kind of, I'll always have beautiful memories of that, of that place, and in, in a way that. I, I kind of do have like good memories of the Etihad. You know, obviously, we've had some good times on the football pitch there, but the the ground itself just doesn't feel like home to me. Still, really, it doesn't feel right. the same. Yeah, it's not definitely not the same. Um, let's uh, let's bring the mood down a little bit because uh, Kieran, we're going to your hell choice now. Uh, we're going to the twenty seventh <laughs> of December, twenty nineteen. Uh, it finished Wolves three, City two. Uh, City were third going into this game, 14 points off Liverpool at the top of the table, uh, and this gave Liverpool a game in hand over City as well. It also kept Leicester in second in the table, a point ahead of City, but now on level games. Here is the action from the match. Is Edison didn't get there. That could well be a red card. Denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. It's kind of area City can be so dangerous, whether they have 10 or 11 on the field, trying to find a way through if they want a penalty. No, I'm sure that the VAR will be having a long look at that. Martin Atkinson still in conversation with David Coote. If he makes the television screen signal, it is a penalty. It's Raheem Sterling up against Rui Patricio. Save! Well, I think what they have to check is whether Cody was encroaching. And it is going to be retaken. Sterling against Patricio again. Same result, but he puts the rebound. Manchester City, a man down, are a goal up. Rodri De Bruyne, now Raheem Sterling is away. He's got a lot of ground to cover. He has covered it superbly. It's Traore, and it's Wolves back in the game. The hero of the Etihad on the score sheet to give Wolves fresh hope. Andy with time to take a touch. Oh, he's lost possession. Traore, Jimenez, 2-2, and so preventable for Manchester City. Doherty taking it on, adjusting his feet and scoring for Wolves. 2-0 down against the champions. Have they gone and won it? So, Kieran, how on earth do you lose a game when you're 2-0 up? You've got 10 men, I know, I understand, but you're 2-0 up, you're away from home. Why, why do they make so many silly mistakes? I've... I have no idea, David. <laughs> that was that's so hard to listen back to. Uh, that speaking of speaking of like games with big subplots and lots of talking points, it was just it, it was like that. Uh, the Ederson, I'm still not convinced. Ederson, like I mean, he sort of had to go, but when you look at it, the, the contact was minimal. Yeah, um, it just. It, it looked it looked really bad. Well, I'm, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna come in here and, and do my usual stick a hat on and go. Uh, well, speaking as a goalkeeper, but speaking yes. as a goalkeeper, like Edison <laughs> had nowhere to go. He caught he yeah. caught for the ball. He realised he wasn't going to get there, and he stood still. And I can't remember yeah. who it was that um, that that ran past him, but basically they ran into him. Yeah, and like. At that point, there's the, the the foul is because Edison has made a bad decision and come off his line. Where actually, 
like he wasn't he wasn't trying to st- to stop a goal scoring chance. He was just he was just stood there, and the, the forward runs into him. He could quite easily get round him if he wanted to, and get round him, get the ball, and pop it into the empty get, into an empty net. But he didn't want mm. to. He wanted the red card. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, if you look at uh, the substitution. Sergio Aguero going off for Claudio Bravo on the twelfth minute. I mean, you're not going to hold out much hope for that game going well, are you? Uh, but then to get two 0 up, um, it just it seemed it seemed really really crazy to throw that away. Uh, Molyneux was a cauldron that night. You could um, even hear in the highlight reel there. It, it was a really 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 tense, terse, taut atmosphere, um, and they were so wound up about the VAR things about the penalty incident. Um, they thought the momentum was kind of in their favour when we lost Ederson so early. Um, and then, yeah, Sterling was having one of those games where, you know, the, the crowd were really on his back and they were really properly, like, um, pissed off with him. I think he celebrated the the, the penalty uh, that eventually went in, like, right in front of their fans. Um, and, yeah, it was just one of those where it, it did end up being a real hell. Like, this is... Um, this game again, Triore. Like we've just played Wolves um, last weekend, was it? And uh, you it's, know, New, it's New Year's Day. It's a few weekends ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, haven't, we haven't recorded this early. Yeah, back in uh, early December. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, but even like I, I thought because Gaz and I were stood saying that. Um, I thought that City's defence looked frightened, looked terrified of um, of Triori even now. Um, this this game would kind of strike fear into the heart of anybody. Um, I thought he, Mendy was shite for their second, but um, I actually did think he fouled him. Triori, yeah, but um, he's just uh, just a, a, a big fucker, isn't he? And um, managed to... <laughs> he, just, he just out-wrestled and out-muscled. City all the time. We were terrified of him, but I mean, the 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 defenders we had was this the was this the Fernandinho in defence season? It was, yeah. um, and it just you know hearing those stats that you said about how far Liverpool were ahead with the game in hand and everything, um, it it's just I hate that season so much. I even hate looking back at the purple <laughs> sleeves sleeves on our kits and stuff. It's just like <laughs> everything about that. But um, VAR coming in and the amount of like because VAR at the moment Touchwood uh, is working okay and like you know the decisions that are being made are, are normally sensible and fairly quick this season nowadays in the modern kind of iteration of it um, but back then it was just like Liverpool seemed to get the rub of the green all the time and it was just a pain in the arse the football wasn't fun um, and yeah I was in a pub dressed as a monk during this, I've mentioned before in the show. Um, so I was sat watching this on my phone because it was on Amazon Prime. The first like the first game was on Prime, so you could watch it on your like app on your phone, fairly handy. Um, and I was going to a fancy dress party that night around Christmas, dressed as a monk. Um, and it was a, it was a nineteen twenties theme, so everybody else was dressed up as like Gatsby or a flapper or like you know, the sort of Piggy Blinders vibe. Yeah. Um, and I was just dressed as a monk in the pub for the for the crack. Uh, so it just added insult to injury to be dressed like that. Um, having, having thrown away a two-goal lead. Yeah. Um, Were there a lot of I, monks in the 1920s? Was that a particularly prevalent time for monks? Very much so. Every fancy dress party I've ever gone to, Dan, I've dressed up as a monk, no matter what oh, the okay. theme is. <laughs> uh, to the point where on, on the night, 
in question, the kind of like MC who was who was running it, uh, like directed everybody's attention in the whole uh, in the whole kind of like big ballroom that we're in to me dressing up as a monk again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a known thing in my locality that I dress oh. up as a monk. Do you shave your you shave your head as well? The little, the no, I've got a little wig. I've got a, got oh, okay. a little wig with a with a baldy <laughs> bit in the middle of it. Like, um, yeah, yeah, I'm no, right. a big big fan of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kieran was saying there uh, that uh, Liverpool were so far ahead. Bob, I, 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 I'm guessing that even before kickoff in this game, you've given up any hopes of City mounting a, a title challenge. Um, but uh, there's almost that that element of still being annoyed that they're throwing away this title, given like even though it's 14 points after the game, you still you still have this this element of well. They could put a run together. Were, were you ever, were you ever in doubt that, um, or, or did you ever feel like City might get a run together that season if they'd won that game? Maybe. Um, not really. No. I mean, I think there was some shocking results even before this, like the Norwich one, um, and just yeah, like Fernandinho at the back and Otamendi. It was just um, a lot of bad signs. And I think at that point, I was kind of resigned to it being over. I mean, 14 points is ridiculous, isn't it, really, at that stage of the season? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and they were so relentless. I think, if anything, I was just hoping for a like, complete and utter collapse from, from Liverpool. Um, but, yeah, just, I mean, with a lot of these games we've talked about tonight, I've sort of done uh, my due diligence and sort of watched highlights and stuff, but I just refuse to do it for this game. It's just still, <laughs> it still annoys me um, for, yeah, all the reasons we've, uh, Kieran's already outlined there. Listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Well, we're, we're we're coming towards the end of the show now, so we're going to go into uh, a proper run of games now because uh, it's my hell choice, and uh, I've cheated a little bit on this. I've picked two games uh, as uh, they were back to back, and I was also thinking, "Fuck it, it's my podcast. I'll do what I want." Um, <laughs> it's uh, the first one I've gone with is uh, City Two Crystal Palace Three on the twenty second of December, twenty eighteen. Uh, going into this game, City were four points behind uh, the leaders, Liverpool, but they had a game in hand. The table was basically Liverpool top played 18 with 48 points, City in second played 17, 44 points. Uh, then this happened. Sane for Delft. Gunnar 1 0. Schlup. Trying to work the angle onto his left foot, and it's a brilliant finish. Jeff Schlup for Crystal Palace, and they're back on level terms with their first shot of the day. That's an important defensive header. Bernardo Silva winning the second ball, and Townsend! an unbelievable strike Crystal Palace lead at Manchester City but not just that they do it with one of the goals of the season then Myers challenged by Walker and it's a penalty doesn't save this one and Crystal Palace are 3-1 up De Bruyne's ball in a better ball oh it's a much better ball whether he intended it or not now that uh, finished uh, 3-2. And then uh, the very next game on Boxing Day 2018, uh, it was four days later, City went to Leicester. Here's what happened in that game. Aguero, Bernardo Silva, flag has stayed down. Manchester City go in front. It's taken them less than 15 minutes. Vardy on the move. And Jamie Vardy had kept a good line and stayed onside. All Brighton, Leicester level. Albrighton with a corner kick. Ricardo! Oh, magnificent! What a goal by Ricardo! It's a red card. Manchester City's afternoon 
goes from bad to worse. So in the space of two games, City had gone from four points off the top with a game in hand uh, to seven points off the top on level games. After that game, it was uh, Liverpool top, played 19.51 points. Tottenham in second, played 19.45. And then City had slipped to third, played 19.44. Bob, I'm going to bring you in on this one because uh, you're you're from round near Leicester. So um, Boxing Day... The defeat to Leicester um, was that, that. I mean, I can imagine you you can be quite an angry man anyway. But I imagine you were <laughs> you, you were fucking fuming after this one, were you? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was. I mean, I didn't watch the game. I was out for a walk with family at the time, but I did. I was following it on my phone because um, obviously following the Palace game, I was sort of quite anxious to get back to winning ways. And I, I remember thinking before the Leicester game um, that you know if it's quite rare for City to lose consecutive games under Pep. So I thought, well, you know, it's the sort of law of averages. We're going to, you know, get a result here. So when um, I saw we're taking the lead dead early, I, I was really like happy for the rest of the walk and didn't check my phone. And then when I got home, I just sort of sat there stewing, like just absolutely <laughs> puming. It, it wasn't very nice. Um, yeah, to lose the Bob Tool derby, um, as we know, as locally, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, yeah, not a good one. Yeah, Dan, the uh, the fact that it had come after that game where Townsend had done that thing as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I moved away from uh, the UK in, in 2017 and I've probably been to about 10 home games since then. I, I have a pretty poor record, to be quite honest with you. And I've seen us lose twice at home to Crystal Palace, the most recent being this season, and, and this there was this one as well. Um, I think remember coming back for Christmas, being really excited about going to a game for possibly the first time that season, and uh, and yeah, it, it was pretty shocking. In fact, I remember us we, we made a pretty sort of slow start to the game, and then and then Gundogan put us a put us ahead with that header. I remember turning to my mum who I was sitting with and saying, "Oh yeah, I, I, had, I was worried it was going to be one of those days for a while there, but we've got our nose in front <laughs> now; it's all going to be okay." And then uh, Andros Townsend pops that one in, and then Kyle Walker makes that. I mean, that was an amazing goal, by the way. <laughs> Probably one of the best goals I've seen live, to be fair. Um, but it didn't. It didn't feel particularly good at the time, and uh, and then Kyle Walker made that stupid mistake for the penalty, and and yeah, it was it was really poor. And then combined with the Leicester game, it was it was looking pretty bleak for us at that time. We had we had a lot of fear about Liverpool winning the league at the time. It felt like it was going to be the end of the world if they won the league, didn't it? And, mm, and, yeah. and we we staved them off right until the final day that season. Thankfully, the the other game that I went to over that festive period at the Etihad was us beating Liverpool two one at home, which was of course the huge turning point in the season. Um, but yeah, things were looking pretty bleak over that Christmas period. Yeah, um, just one question for Kieran before we move on to uh, that final game, because obviously you'd have been in Ireland at the time and uh, yeah. kind of enjoying in inverted commas uh, Christmas <clears> with your with your family while City were losing games like this. I yeah. remember uh, we'd I'd, I'd gone to uh, my uh, partner's parents for Christmas for the first time uh, in this year. And so we so I'd stayed over and we're going to go to my parents to watch this game uh, on Boxing Day. And I remember uh, saying in the morning of the game as we as I was setting off to drive, um, say, I, I, I've got a really bad feeling about this game. I've, I just don't. There's, there's something doesn't feel right at the moment. And I've and, and if if they lose today, it's really properly going to ruin Christmas. And you know what, Kieran, it did. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know it did. City have a way, don't they? Sometimes of. Uh... Fucking things up for you around Christmas, like, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I kind of agreed with what Bob was saying there. It, the consecutive defeats were such a rarity, um, you just felt like there was no way it could really happen again. Um, and when we got our noses in front, uh, through Bernardo in the Leicester game, you just thought, like, this will be it now, we'll be okay. Um, and yeah, it was that, that 
1819, as much as it ended unbelievably well, there were a few patchy results kind of in and around this time. Did, did we slip up against Newcastle as well, or have I invented that? That was like uh, January, I think. Yeah, like right. January. Yeah, um, and there were just too many times, and, and Liverpool looked really imperious. Um, and you just thought there's there's too many defeats compared to the Centurion season, where we were like flawless for so much of it. There just seemed to be too many defeats to be um, to to be kind of thinking that we're in with a shout. But I mean, uh, one of one of the best things ever experienced in the Premier League was you know what sort of came to pass next. Yeah, well, let's let's move on to that because um, Bob, your final choice, your heaven choice, uh, is City two Liverpool one on the third of January twenty nineteen. Uh, as we've said already, City went in seven points behind Liverpool at the top of the table. Uh, before that, City had lost uh, three of the last five in the league. So uh, this is what happened that afternoon. And Mane's through the middle. Oh, it's hit the post. Mane goes again. Oh, and it's going to go into it. It isn't. It's squeezed away from Salah. Aguero's got in front there, he's found the goal to keep this extraordinary run going. It's a lovely ball to the far post and it's led to the equaliser, knocked in by Roberto Firmino. And for Sane, chance, goal for Manchester City. So, Bob, it doesn't really need any explanation why uh, this one is the um, is your heaven choice because you said um, you said it was the turning point for the season and it was, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when you asked about uh, games to choose for this feature, it was just the obvious choice for me. I mean, it's it's probably the best game I've ever been to. I mean, it's not necessarily the best game I've ever seen uh, football, but it's certainly the best one I've been to. And I mean, it's good of you to uh, choose the, the two preceding games as your health. It gives <laughs> the context perfectly because um, it was such a huge game in the context of the season. I mean, City had to win otherwise. I don't think they would have been able to catch Liverpool up. They would have gone 10 points clear. Even a draw wouldn't have really been enough because you really needed to to beat Liverpool. And um, yeah, I just remember the atmosphere uh, that night was just electric. Just even walking like up to the ground outside and in the concourse, um, it was just brilliant. Uh, I've very rarely experienced that firsthand. Um, and then the game itself, it was just two teams just giving it absolutely 100%. It was so high intense. And I think um, Pep was being quite cautious with the defence. I, th- I think Laporte played left-back, didn't he? And Stones and company were the centre-halves, which was not that common that season. I think he did it at Anfield a- away in that season. But he was obviously being really cautious about the um, their attackers, um, given what happened in the Champions League um, against Liverpool. Um yeah, and it was just it was just mad. I mean, I, I think like the result as well. I think it stopped in the in the grand scheme of things. It stopped Liverpool being champions, obviously, but it also stopped them being centurions and invincibles because we're the only people to beat them that season um, in that season. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's there's so much to go out with that game, though. I mean, I'm I'm sure uh, uh, you guys will be able to fill me in on uh, on stuff I've not said because. It was just unbelievable. I, I was going to say, Kieran, the, uh, the the goal line clearance in the first instance, it, it was a, it was a problem entirely of John Stones' making, but boy, did he solve it quite well. Yeah, uh, I absolutely adore John Stones and everything he brings, and I've always loved him at City, but uh, that will long stick in the memory after even after he's quit playing for us. Uh, it was just unbelievable. Um, I remember getting the train back after that game and just 
watching the replays on Twitter and then the um the goal line sort of Hawkeye. Uh, it was like it was right on the line, wasn't it? Like twelve millimeters or something away from being a goal. And um, there was some there's something nuts about it. But the clearance, the 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 defensive kind of like faux pas that were leading to it were awful, absolutely horrendous. <laughs> you kind of like you watch through your fingers now when you watch it back. But um, he really atoned for it, and it was just mad. It, it was just like I think that summed up everything with Liverpool and City that season. Fine margins, like. As Bob's kind of saying there, um, like we we had to beat them to stop them in their tracks because a draw wouldn't have been enough, and it literally came down to millimeters. It was just so so tight. I would never want to go through that again. And, and it looks <laughs> yeah. as if it looks as if this season might be heading to a title race like that. But I like the thought of that is anxiety inducing already. But yeah, <laughs> um, that game that game was absolutely wonderful, and the victory was just incredible. It was it was so good. Yeah, and obviously, uh, Dan, the, the the opening goal for City that night, uh, Sergio Aguero just blasting it in with his left foot at the near post. Um, that that's a, it's a fantastic goal that I think often gets overlooked in in the in yeah. how many good goals Aguero scored. Yeah, just peak Sergio Aguero, isn't it? The uh, the the him at his absolute best, and uh, the, for him to squeeze it past, you know, a, a goalkeeper who was who is a brilliant goalkeeper, was an incredible form that season into the into that top left corner with his weaker foot was was amazing. So uh, yeah, it was it was the, the noise that that uh, was made when that goal went in just sort of lifted the roof on the stadium. I don't know if yeah. I've ever heard a noise like that at the Etihad mm. before. Um, just a quick point on the, on the John Stones goal line clearance. It always annoys me. We were talking about causality earlier in the show. It annoys me when people say that that was the goal that won the title because no that was the goal that stopped Liverpool going one nil up in that game like there's no there's no reason that we, we can't believe that Liverpool, that City wouldn't have still won the game even if that goal yeah. had gone in do you know what I mean yeah yeah and calls, out, calls out to the butterfly effect we're back there again <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah. Uh, right, so that brings us to an end for this very special edition of City Heaven, City Hell. Thank you to my guests for today's show, Dan Burke. Thank you very much. Bob Toole. Cheers, Blue. And Kieran Murray. Happy Blue Year. Uh, oh, goodness me, that was awful. <laughs> um, I, was, I was just about to say if you've enjoyed this as well, and now that might put people off, but here we are. Uh, it's because at the start you said we all said something different, so I was like, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to change it up a bit. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but if you have enjoyed this, and this is the sort of thing that you'd like to hear more of, uh, then you can have a look at our Patreon page this season. Uh, you get the podcasts in your usual podcast app when you sign up, and they're released every Monday. Take a look at patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast for more details. We'll be back next Friday with a regular edition of the show so we'll see you then that was the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast